sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Week 13 of the fantasy football season and the regular season comes to an end tonight as the Dallas Cowboys and Baltimore Ravens, lots of fantasy implications. Are you in? Are you out of the fantasy football playoffs? Last night gave us some clarity. We'll get the full clarity tonight and then turn it right around to the first week of the fantasy football playoffs in about 48 hours from now. Craig Miss, Joe Pizapia <laughs> with you here. On this Tuesday morning with a look back at the two Monday night football games and, of course, some Major League Baseball news to get to as well today as the hot stove picking up just a little bit during what they're calling as the virtual winter meetings. But virtually, I've done nothing in the last 24 hours. So I don't, I don't maybe there's something going on without me that I'm unaware of here. But uh, that, that's kind of where we stand. But, Joe, that's where we'll start today. What's going on? How dare they? How can they have a winter meetings and doing stuff without you? That's appalling. I think you should go and talk to the committees and the powers that be and make sure that no move is getting made without Craig Mish at least having some sort of scoop or something going on. I, I think that is just terrible, terrible job by Major League Baseball, all the organizations, all the GMs, all the sources. I mean, come on. If something's going to happen, it's got to go through Craig Mish. We all know this. This is the way it goes there. But certainly uh, two very interesting football games yesterday, the Washington football team did indeed give Pittsburgh all they could handle, as we talked about on yesterday's show, and that was uh, maybe more than they could handle, and then some. I mean, this was certainly a fantastic effort there by Alex Smith, by that defense, uh, and uh, maybe, just maybe, this was the best thing that could happen to the Steelers because, you know, I I've seen over the years as a Patriots fan many a 10-0, a 12-0, I've even seen an 18-0, where you could see it just starts to kind of, I don't know, take its toll on a team, Craig. And psychologically, they're thinking about not losing instead of winning. And the Pittsburgh Steelers have some things to address, but maybe just maybe this was all for the best to kind of get this loss out of the way and then just kind of refocus because it's been a weird two weeks for the Steelers. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I, I'm not I don't want to talk about those games at all last night. I'm very upset with both of the outcomes in that. Just a really, really bad night for me going going into the super contest thinking the very least we'll get a split, got neither game. I don't think that we have won a single game on Monday Night Football this year. I honestly Oof. don't. I think we've lost every single game that we've chosen this year. And and, and, and I'm not kidding. It, it, we must be 2-10. and 10 or Well, you know what? We haven't taken that many games. It's only week 13. But I will say like 2-7 and seven or something horrible mm -hmm. on Monday Night Football. I, I just don't get it. Don't understand it. Steelers were up 14-0. Can't even get in on the one-yard line. I thought the game was over. And and then it was not so um, just a disaster. And then I was so disgusted that I did not even watch more than two seconds of, of the game um, uh, that night. I'm just so pissed today with the outcomes of those games and no one to blame but myself here. But that's the truth can still be mad. And now my dreams of making a million dollars in four weeks are pretty much out the window. But that's where we'll start today on the show. All right. Here are the headlines. Terrifying. Washington football team and it's Pittsburgh's undefeated season. Yes, give them credit. They played very well. I thought Pittsburgh, again, slept walk through the second half of a football game, dominated in the first half. I don't have an explanation for it. Josh Allen dominates late game on Monday Night Football. Okay, great if you say so. Hey, the White Sox trade for Lance Lynn yesterday, a very peculiar deal, and the Athletic had some interesting reporting on this as well today that I want to get to. 
This was out of nowhere. Seven-time All-Star and former MVP Rookie of the Year, Richie Allen, passed away yesterday. He was just honored by the Philadelphia Phillies, and they just honored his number. And the Hall of Fame just announced that they weren't going to do a Veterans Committee vote this year because they couldn't get together in a room. Are you kidding me? That's the reason why. They wanted it all to be in a room as opposed to just voting virtually. So so Richie Allen passes away without his name in the Hall of Fame. He'll get there next year for sure. He was only one vote shy. Man, I hate seeing that. Yeah, I mean, come on. And then James Harden, we don't really know what's going on with him, but the preseason opens up on Friday. So... A lot to get to here today on the show. I guess we can start off with a little baseball because we're going to focus a lot on our fantasy standouts Mm -hmm. coming up on who did what in football. But uh, Lance Lynn, there there are some reports this morning, one from The Athletic, I believe it was Ken Rosenthal who did it, who said that one of the reasons why the Rangers traded Lance Lynn was because he had told the Rangers that if they were going to trade him during the season that he would have opted out of last year. And uh, wow, like I didn't see that one coming. So look, this is always... Going to be a little spin control, Joe. You know how that works right. when when you trade a player that looks like they should stay. But look, that that's interesting because think about it this year. If the Rangers aren't very good in June, they call up a team and say, "We'll give you Lance Lynn." They trade Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn says, "No, no, no, I'm not going to go." You know, you can't have that. So I, I don't know that that was predominantly the reason for it. But the Rangers are like stuck with no pitching again. So here we go. Yeah, it's very peculiar. They have a new ballpark reopening 2.0. They just traded away their best starting pitcher and who has been very good for not just this past season, but the last few years. I mean, the guy has basically been an unsung hero in fantasy rotations for quite some time. And now this guy is going from one of the more lackluster offenses in the American League to one of the best, if not the best offense in the American League. A pretty good defensive team, too, I might add. I think the Chicago White Sox, you could also put in that category. So it's a huge win for Lance Lynn. And I always talk about, you know, in terms of value, when a player gets moved, it doesn't change all that much. Well, it does change slightly, and there's a little bit of an uptick here, especially in the win column for Lancelin in terms of at least potential. Now, wins are always a, a precarious stat. We all know that when we play fantasy. But in terms of season-long Roto Leagues, the win equity, at the very least, for Lancelin does go up because the offense is better, more run support, better defense as well. And uh, this is a team that's really going to contend. And I think this is a great move here, too, because now you're getting him, you're getting Giolito, you're getting Keiko. That's a really good three. You can have Kopech or somebody like that in the second half of the season really emerge. White Sox could be a really tough out in 2021. Yeah, Ronaldo Lopez still in cease. haven't given up on those young guys either. So, look, White Sox are definitely going for it this year, as they should. Okay, our fantasy standouts from last night coming up next. All the stats, all the fantasy implications from Monday Night Football's Cool game. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Time to take a look at our fantasy standouts from the two Monday night football games. If uh, you didn't like the way that the games ended like me and you're watching the show on demand, just hit fast forward like I'm doing right now. I'm watching the show after we're done and on demand. I'm hitting fast forward. I don't want to think about it, talk about it, deal with it. It was miserable. It was bad. It was ugly. The only good news is that I did qualify in one of my leagues for uh, the fantasy football playoffs. I actually moved up a spot or two. Thanks to one guy here on this list. I can't believe I have 
one of the great tight ends in fantasy football going into the playoffs. Never would have thought that, but here we are. Mm-hmm. All right, fantasy standouts from last night. Josh Allen, uh, yeah, he went over that touchdown prop pretty well. Um, four touchdowns <laughs> yesterday. Josh Allen, <laughs> pretty good. 40, 375 passing yards, 11 rushing yards. Boy, that was not close. J.D. McKissick, five carries, eight yards, 10 receptions for 70 yards. I think he had seven receptions in the last two minutes of the game, if I'm not mistaken. Hey, Deontay Johnson did his part, eight receptions, 71 yards, and a touchdown. So we ended up getting, let's see, 15, about 21 fantasy points. Good day Mm -hmm. for him. Logan Thomas has to be the story, though. Wow. Nine receptions, 98 yards, and a touchdown. He threw a touchdown last week, and this guy... I am I am going into the playoffs confident playing this guy at tight end. I had Kittle, and um, I'm I'm good with Logan Thomas. He is he's looked pretty good. I mean, he seems to always get about ten fantasy points. Happy with him. Beasley nine for one thirty and a touchdown. Diggs ten more catches for ninety two. Brandon Ayuk returned to get five receptions, ninety five yards and a touchdown. My biggest takeaway, and I guess it's because he's on my team. I mean, that's it's pretty obvious at this point. I've said it several times here is is going to be Logan Thomas, no doubt about that, mm-hmm. because of, of basically the idea that you, you you don't have any good tight ends in fantasy football. You have guys that every once in a while are pretty good, like Waller and and Goddard and a few others, mm-hmm. but it's always a wasteland of, of fantasy opportunity. And in the end of the season, I, I, have, I probably should have done my own research to start the show, but at the end of the season, it does feel like Logan Thomas is going to end up being grading out as a tight end one. Mm-hmm. And since Alex Smith has come on board, it feels like he's a bona fide tight end one. So I'm actually thrilled going into next week with him, regardless of who they play. You should be. Uh, and look, Logan Thomas is a guy that we were talking about so early in the year as a waiver wire pickup, right? A guy who was undrafted by a lot of teams and said, hey, look, go get this guy. The upside's there. He's been through three different quarterbacks this season, and Alex Smith seems to be getting the most out of him recently, which is great. That's fantastic news in keeper leagues also. And I think even long-term going into next year, too. I mean, Washington has to step back and look at the job that Alex Smith has done here this year. And kind of marvel at it and say, okay, maybe this is our guy next year. Maybe we can win this division with Alex Smith and that defense. And, you know, if indeed they were able to, I mean, J.D. McKissick stepping up in a huge spot there too. And once Antonio Gibson went down, I mean, that guy just went to work last night. I mean, he had so many targets again, 10 receptions there for J.D. McKissick. It seemed like he caught everything that was thrown his way. It was an incredible game for him. And, you know, when Antonio Gibson went down, I kind of went, oh boy, you know, I don't know how this is going to work out for them, but the guy stepped up. Peyton Barber stepped up. I mean, Alex Smith stepped up. Logan Thomas stepped up. And and look, the Steelers did a really good job of shutting down Terry McLaurin, and he was able to beat him with the ancillary pieces. And let's talk about the defense, too, because this is what we were trying to drive home yesterday, which is this defense in front of Washington is no joke. We talked about them being high up on the trough in terms of sacks, right? We talked about them being like tied for second. Nobody's really talking about them. Nobody has more passes defended the last few weeks, too, or deflected than uh, that front. We're talking about Montez Sweat. We're talking about uh, 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 Chase Young. We're talking about these guys with the the long reach, the ability to get to the quarterback. They put pressure on Roethlisberger. And I think what happens here in this game, too, and I think when you see so many empty backfield sets for the Pittsburgh Steelers, that was my big takeaway. I would be watching this game, especially in the second half, and you'd see empty backfield Ben Roethlisberger. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, this is not how you kind of coast on a lead in a second half of a game this time of year. You have to run the football. And they just can't right now. Now, they can't because James Conner's hurt or they just refuse to, whatever that that notion is. But they've got to go back kind of like the Tampa Bay Bucks do. And they've got to get back to the drawing board a little bit and run the football because they've lost Bud Dupree. They've lost Devin White, 
a couple weeks ago, which we all kind of forget and take for granted. But Devin White was also the signal caller on this defense. So the defense is not at 100% of what it was earlier in the season. Then you couple that with the fact that the running game is not where it was in the first month of the season either. And this is a bad situation that they've got to figure out and got to get right before they get to the playoffs. I'm sorry. As good as the Pittsburgh Steelers are and as prolific as, as Ben Roethlisberger has been throwing the football this year and he's been great and these receivers are played great and it's really fun from a fantasy perspective. From a real perspective, the Washington front, that linebacker, John Bostic, who I have on my IDP team, who had a great game yesterday. I mean, Bostic's been getting after it. Sweat's been getting after it. Chase Young's been getting after it. And this team is no joke. And Washington's been really competitive the last few weeks, just like the Giants. And all of a sudden, like the two teams that nobody expected in this East are probably the two most exciting teams to watch. And it's not the Cowboys or the Eagles. It's the Washington football team and the New York Giants. I think it was a couple of plays in the wash in that game that that really made the difference with them not getting in at the goal line. I, I think that just shifted everything at that well, point. Well, did you think and, they should have kicked think- the field goal in the fourth there? I mean, I didn't understand why they weren't just taking the points there when they went for that fourth down they, and they, they, they threw that all in the all year. Oh yeah, that, that running back. Like, yeah, what was that about at the end of the game? Oh, I mean, Anthony McFarland's a third string know. running back there. That's where they're going with the ball on a fourth and two at that spot. You're not going to kick the field goal. And they said after the game that was the primary target in that play. And I'm thinking to myself, you have three of the best wide receivers in football. How, and I understand there's been a lot of drops. There was a lot of drops in this game, more than even last week, and we've kind of killed them on the drops. But Craig, I don't know. You're at home. Don't you just take the three and put the pressure on Washington. I thought that was very peculiar last night. Yeah. Yeah, look, what what can I say? I, I Again, after doing this for so long and watching these games for so long, it doesn't change my opinion on the Steelers at all. Uh, you know, you're up 14 nothing. They were dominating. The, they completely dominated the game in the first half. If you make they it did. 21-3 or whatever it is, Washington probably doesn't come back. But you give the defense especially credit on that goal line. I mean, that's really where I think the game they changed did. for sure. So I was mm-hmm. disgusted, and yeah, it was. I, I mean, as the game got into the second half, and I started to watch it unfold, I felt, wow, this is not going to go my way on this. I just you did. It, you it did. It, it was a doom like and gloom, and and it, I think it all comes back to possession, running out the clock, being able to to coast on a lead and sit on a lead, and th- because there's some games where you're going to have those moments where you're like, okay, you know what, let's just eat some clock here. You know, it's fourth quarter. Let's just you know play yeah. that possession game. And it's funny because Bill Belichick gets a lot of crap over the years about being a very vanilla coach, always taking the points, always. But you know what? The record speaks for itself. When you take the points, when you run out clock, when you play that kind of game, sometimes more often than not, you're going to have success. And I think the Steelers kind of got caught in a bad spot there and 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 you're right the Steelers are still one of the better teams in the AFC just because they lost a football game it doesn't matter but the Steelers are not without fault they're not without some concerns going forward and and in this other game too I mean look (laughs) you know I, I Nick Mullins I think did the best he could under the circumstances but this was the best Buffalo defense performance I've seen all year Tremaine Edmonds I thought had his best game of the year he looked great you saw turnovers from Hyde you saw you saw uh, interceptions galore here you saw the defense getting after the secondary is hitting guys I mean this was the Buffalo defense that I signed up for and of course the running backs got hurt early fumble there all the issues that they had there in this game and I know you got frustrated with this one but I watched all four quarters of it and I, I thought that Josh Allen did a fantastic job finding the open guy. I thought the play calling was really good, but this was the Buffalo defense that we've been waiting to see. And they finally showed up. And this is a really good sign for Buffalo. Finally, these, this is it. This was 2019 Buffalo that I was so enamored of that. I haven't seen all year. Finally, we saw it in this game against the 49ers last night. 
Yeah, and, and and again, we'll see what happens moving forward. I was watching uh, this show, uh, Queen's Gambit. Everyone says it's so good. I've heard so. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so I pivoted over to that. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely interesting. I only saw the first uh, episode, mm-hmm. but I, I think I'm going to keep watching. Everyone says, like, I, I, look, I keep hearing so much about it that it's just become time yeah. to when everyone's talking about the same show being good to dive in. And everyone says that after like the second one, it starts to really pick up. But yeah, it's it's an interesting show. It's about chess, more or less. Yes, so. I'm aware of it. I haven't seen it yet. I'm watching Shit's Creek. I'm four seasons into that, and that is just magical and hilarious. And I can't recommend a better feel-good, funny show to watch over the holidays for people if you're looking for something to laugh. That's a great, great program. Well, that's that summarizes uh, my night last <laughs> night for sure. Um, okay, so uh, Fantasy by the Numbers is coming up next. We'll do that. We'll get away from these two disgusting games that I never want to talk about ever again. And then we'll start looking toward these Thursday night games. Is that happening already? Wow, that was fast. More Fantasy Sports today. Next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I'm slowly getting over last night. It's going to take me a day. And then by tomorrow, I'll be fine. I promise you guys here on this show. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. You just can't you just can't lose both games on Monday night and come in here feeling good. But again, happy to have sports back. Happy there's another game tonight. Unfortunately, no action on this one tonight between Dallas and Baltimore. We'll preview that game coming up. We'll take one day off of football tomorrow. And then, of course, we'll get back to some uh, picking and some fantasy talk as well. Uh, real quick, before we do a little fantasy by the numbers, uh, I would be remiss. I know there are a lot of people who are watching for baseball hoping I just break some sort of story or signing for that. So uh, NBC South, I believe, in Chicago, officially the one reporting this, that Adam Eaton is going back to the White Sox on a one-year $7 million deal. So real quick, before we do fantasy by the numbers, Joe, uh, my only thought on this is is the money. And $7 million seems like a pretty decent amount for a player like Adam Eaton, who may only play, what, another year or two, maybe three mm-hmm. at the most. So I am encouraged by that. I know there's been some movement in terms of trades and Iglesias and Lynn, and I don't really know what those even signal at this point from the teams that did that. But to see a sort of mid-level player or lower-level player signed for $7 million tells me I, it makes me feel optimistic that we're not going to have things drag out until February or March. At least that's my perspective on this. <laughs> I hope so. I hope you are correct. And uh, it's funny. It seems like uh, Dane Dunning and Adam Eaton cannot occupy the same space at the same time because Dunning was in that trade right. years ago that sent uh, Adam Eaton over to the Nationals. And now he's just in this trade. They're moving out of Chicago for Lance Lynn. Uh, I think it's a good outfield depth move. I mean, he's still a good defender. Problem with Eaton is, you know, he's not a guy who could play 150 games. I mean, that's just not been his MO for many years now. But he's been a, a, right. a good bat, a guy who's, um, I would say, versatile in the outfield. He could probably play all three outfield positions if you needed him to. And I think that's kind of they're looking at him as like a fourth outfielder rest kind of day. If they do have somebody go on the, the IL for a 15-day stint there, 
hey, plugging in and Adam Eaton is certainly a more than, than worthy uh, uh, guy to be able to put in there. And look, still swings a pretty good bat. Still got a little bit, a good base runner. Maybe he doesn't have the speed he used to, but still a good base runner, which I think makes up for some of that lack of speed at this stage of his career. But I would say a really good signing and certainly another signal. Here we go. We get Lance Lynn against Adam Eaton. They don't have a whole lot of holes on this team. You know, no. maybe the one thing you could say is they don't have a dominant closer. But then again, you could say that about everybody else. And that's something maybe you could acquire somewhere during the year. But getting a true number one starter to pair with Giolito and bringing in a little outfield depth, this is a really good start to the offseason for the White Sox, Greg. Yeah, I, might, I suppose he'll play left field every day because Eloy is not going to play left anymore. He'll be DH. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, or he'll play as much as he can, uh, you know, health notwithstanding. Was they he could five get a done there? I forget. Is he five is done Florida? there? Is uh, Encarnacion done there? I believe he's a free agent, so I, I don't okay. know if he'll come back or not. Yeah. Okay. So if he comes right, back, so, then Eloy goes to left. Okay. So there you go. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going back. I think this kind of gotcha. I, Eloy Jimenez has got to be a DH. I don't. I don't think you're going to see him you play another so? game. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair I, I mean, enough. at least I don't think so. I, I he's. I mean, he says that he could play, but I don't. I don't. I mean, no offense, <laughs> Eloy. I, I don't no. think he could play. I mean, he could play if he had to play five games and and. If you said to me over under on 10 games, Eloy Jimenez in left field this season, I'd say under. Really? Wow. If you said wow. four or five, I'd say over. Yeah, I don't, I do not think they have plans to play him in the outfield anymore. Interesting. That's fascinating. Okay. Yeah. Duly noted. Fantasy by the numbers. Let's get right to it. Joe jumped off the Patriots. He's back on again here. So that's where we're going to lead off here with the passing <laughs> yards for Cam Newton back to back weeks. Uh, under 100 yards passing. That's our first topic. I guess the question, can the Patriots continue to win like this? They're not playing great on offense. They're playing good. They're playing great on defense. They're playing great on special teams. I, I know that the Chargers were awful, but the player still has to run all the way down the field to score. Like That, that has to happen also. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I think the Patriots are right in this thing. Can they still win uh, with Cam Newton, Joe, going under 100 yards a game? The answer is yes. Can they win a Super Bowl? The answer is no. So that's kind of who they are, eight and eight, nine and seven. And uh, look, Cam Newton, at the very least, has played well enough this season, I think, to do exactly what he did this year, next year, either with New England or somebody else. Oh, look, they've won four of their last five, but they won two in a row with this stat, which I think is stunning. Like, I can't believe this day and age in the NFL that you could get by winning football games throwing for less than 100 passing yards. And I think there's also a bigger signal of just kind of talking about Cam Newton. And, and look, I understand that, you know, he's been able to be really efficient around the goal line. I mean, he's got far more rushing touchdowns this year than he does passing touchdowns. I think it's like almost two to one right now in terms of ratio. And that is also stunning. Uh, so it's not something that you really want out of your fantasy quarterback right now. And I don't know what it means for Cam Newton going forward in the future. This is less of a, a you know, a Patriot number than it is a Cam Newton number. And just kind of saying, you know, is this an indictment on Cam Newton? Is it an indictment on the offense or is this just the plan? And I think there's a lot of questions there. And I'm going to say that next year, Cam Newton's probably going to be a backup somewhere. That would be my guess, but a very good backup and certainly one that I think could help some team potentially win. But this is definitely, I, I think, not the version of Cam Newton that we signed up for in fantasy going forward. I mean, you know, I thought some of us were pretty optimistic, maybe more than others, that he could be a guy that would still, you know, get some rushing touchdowns, but still throw for, you know, 180, 220 yards a game. Where's we're not seeing that anymore. What's that? Where's he going to go? Where's he grading out right now? Uh, grow, where's he grading out? Oh, well, you know, I guess I have my to go point check is this. Does he have five touchdown passes this year? I don't know. How I many think he's got he five. I, have no I think he's got five, and I think he's got almost ten rushing touchdowns. I have to go check. Okay, it. so so let me ask you this: 
take away his 11 rushing touchdowns and throw them all on the passing end. Mm-hmm. And then he's got 16. And he's not great. But no yardage but... to go with it. That's the problem. It's like you're missing the yardage then. And I think that makes it kind right, of tough don't, because don't those rushing touchdowns count for a lot in most leagues. Because, well, they, well, usually it's it's two more points. So, yeah. So you're getting a little bit right. more equity there. But I don't think it's making up when you have under 100 passing yards. Under 100, Craig. I mean, that's just not getting it done. Unless you have some yeah, weird scoring. I, 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 I'd I be guess curious. That's check that out for me. Yeah, I will. Check, check that I out will. for me. Tell me where he, he ranks. Yeah, tell me where he ranks. I look. I don't think he's in the top ten, but I, I'm curious to see how far off he is from being a starter. Because if I can find 15 guys worse than him in fantasy, it means he's a starter again next year. So, okay, let's move on to uh, Alvin Kamara and the receptions have gone way down since Taysom Hill has been in there because Taysom Hill loves to run right up the middle. Uh, the number is seven, seven receptions for Alvin Kamara over the last three games with Taysom Hill at quarterback there. So perplexing to see Kamara roll down. We'll see if Breeze is back. If he is, you know, those numbers are going to go way up. If Hill is still in there, they'll be down. I suppose is that is, is it as simple as that? Well, it's starting to seem that way. Now he had a better fantasy week this past Sunday. There's no doubt about that. Had more rushing yards and was certainly integrated more in the offense. But the receptions has really been the bread and butter of Alvin Kamara, right? He was the guy that wasn't necessarily getting, you know, a thousand yards rushing. He was getting more like a thousand yards receiving, and you were kind of making it up that way. And he's been so consistent and such a beast in PPR leagues over the last few years that this trend in keeper leagues and dynasty leagues is a little disturbing because what if Taysom Hill is the guy next year. What if Drew Brees decides to retire? And all of a sudden, you really got to evaluate that a little bit more. And and another number, too, here is 10. And this is the number here that touches for the Eagles, Miles Sanders, on Sunday in this loss to Green Bay. I mean, I'm trying to figure this out where we're talking about getting the Eagles right. The offensive line is no good. And you're getting this guy 10 touches. And this was a guy that helped you last year be relevant. This was a guy that helped you get into the playoffs. He had a magnificent second half of the season and i understand he's not a 25 touch guy that's fine but he was at least 15 to 20 last year when the eagles were going well and i don't understand why they've gotten away from this craig it is really perplexing because it can't be a health issue because everyone says he's healthy and he's been on the field he's getting the snaps he's just not touching the football and i don't understand why they're putting so much pressure on anyone at the quarterback position whether it be Wentz or hurts and continue to kind of spin their wheels here when they have a guy in miles sanders who is a big playmaker who could break yeah. a 30 yard run break a 40 yard run that's not something they haven't done in this offense they've had no explosiveness because they refuse to get that guy the football and i can't think of a good reason why yeah look players have missed time from injury mccaffrey barkley michael thomas to name a few uh, there are some that feel Miles Sanders is the biggest bust of the season in fantasy football, and and the numbers would back that up in a lot of different ways. And I know Sanders missed a game playing, there too. They might be right of guys that aren't that. I mean, he had some time spent injured, no doubt about that. But of he guys that have had significant two. playing, yeah. but of guys with significant playing time, he is definitely one of the biggest busts. I don't even think it's a question. Yeah, he is. Yeah, no, he there's and now I'm starting to hear from all the people at the beginning of the year that I helped draft. That's like I'm hearing good, I'm hearing bad, and that's one of the ones is like everyone says this 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 guy really killed me because I did good here, I did bad good here, but this yeah. guy just doesn't get the ball. So partly yeah. true. Finally, uh, let's go to the number twenty 
So I don't know why this is interesting, so you'll have to explain this to me. Pass routes <laughs> run by Bears tight end Cole Komet on Sunday. Why is this interesting? Well, I'll tell you why for two reasons. Number one, we've got a different quarterback now playing in, in Trubisky the last couple of weeks. Number two, it's interesting because it was more than Jimmy Graham's had. And that's the first time that's happened all year. So what you could be seeing is a Jimmy little Graham. bit of a trend. Right. Well, so did the offense. So that combination of, you know, him, it was funny because Jimmy Graham first couple of weeks with Nick Foles, people remember he was, he was leading the yeah. league in red zone catches and touchdowns for tight ends. Actually, at one point, the league, he was re, uh, leading the league in that. Um, but right now, this is an interesting trend. And I think in daily fantasy, we're always looking for that one off tight end. Can Cole Komet catch a touchdown? I think the answer is starting to look like possibly. And if you look at his FanDuel price coming up this week, he is under 5K. When you're looking at tight ends, you're trying to find some value. There's going to be some huge investments you're going to have to make this week. Aaron Jones has a great matchup. He's expensive. All the Seattle Seahawks against the Jets are going to be expensive, and rightfully so. I'm telling you, this is an intriguing one where Cole Komet maybe in deeper leagues and keeper leagues. This is another tight end to keep an eye on because the fact that he's running all of those routes and not just in their blocking and getting more opportunities the last couple of weeks than Jimmy Graham. This seems like somebody who's finally starting to figure out kind of like last year, Noah Fant did the same exact thing. He was quite helpful in the second half at the very end of the season to a lot of fantasy teams. Yeah, well, could be interesting this week. I like this guy Furker on Tennessee. Could be yes, good. Yes, I know you do. I'll take Tuesdays next. Make sure you stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia. It's time for a little Hot Take Tuesday here on the show. Coming up in about 15 minutes from now. Josh Cohen's going to join us. We'll go over the sports card market here. It continues to rise. New product out in the NFL as well. So we'll talk about that. Stay tuned about top of the hour, 1 o'clock Eastern, one fifteen. If you're watching on demand, just hit fast forward, create a playlist. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe to our show, if you wouldn't mind. Okay, let's get started here. Joe, first take of Hot Take Tuesday. Number one, the Steelers were not as good as their record. <laughs> well, this is uh, this has been a narrative that's been going on for a while now, and I understand why. And and we can go back and look at it. So in week one, they beat the Giants, and you know it was Daniel Jones and the Giants. Then they beat uh, the Broncos, that had a ton of injuries that week. They beat the Texans before the firing of Bill O'Brien. Uh, then they also beat the Eagles, the Browns without Nick Chubb. He was injured for that. So you start to look at this game log here, and until you get to the Titans and Ravens, those were very competitive games, both of which came down to the very end, both of which the Steelers were able to hold on to leads and win. But then you get the Bengals, the Cowboys, the Jags. I mean, this is a good Pittsburgh Steelers team. I don't know if they are quite as good as their undefeated record says as they were. I think the defense was. I think the offense is still one-dimensional, unfortunately. And that's a good dimension, being able to throw the football. But I just worry about where they are right now. So I'm going to say that they they were not quite as good as their record. So I actually don't think this is a hot take. I actually think there's some truth into this. Now, I do still think they're one of the best teams in AFC. I do still think even without Devin White, without Bud Dupree, they're still one of the better defenses. We'll see about that Hayden injury, too. That's another big injury, too, depending on how much time he might miss. But I would say defensively, 
Roethlisberger, you've got the coach, you've got everything. You've just got to figure out this running game a little bit. You've got to find a little balance to the offense, especially when you have leads, because as you can see in some of these games against the Titans, if you can't burn clock, what happens? The Titans get ball. The Titans are able to come back a little bit, score some points, and eventually these games get close. Same thing happened in the Ravens game. Their inability to run the football effectively has been their undoing in the second halves of games. And finally, yesterday, it was the worst undoing and finally their first loss of the season. So I want to give the Washington football team a ton of credit, but some of this is on the Steelers too. They You can only play who's on your schedule, Craig. They always say that. But who's been on their schedule? It's not necessarily been a who's who, especially at the moments where they've played them. Playing the, the the Cleveland Browns without Nick Chubb is not playing the Cleveland Browns. I think you'd agree. Yeah, but I think that's the, the key statement that you made there is that, like, if, if I put the Steelers in the playoffs in the first round and they're at home, how many teams would you predict would go into Pittsburgh and win in round one? Well, will they get a bye? So it's round two. How many well, teams maybe, would you Maybe predict? not. Uh, look, I, I would say right now I could see Indianapolis. I could see Tennessee because we all know Tennessee's already played them close. And we know Tennessee could go out there and bomb or Tennessee could go out there and dominate them. We already talked about that yesterday. Certainly, I think Kansas City is a team that could beat them. I would also say potentially there's probably one more in that wild card grouping. I would. Be, I am fascinated by what happens week 17 when they play what could be a whole different Browns team by the time we get to that with a healthy Nick Chubb. I want to see that matchup and whether or not, you know, the Steelers have to play guys in that game, because that could be a situation where in the following week, they could match up again in the playoffs, which would be a fascinating thing to watch. So I, I think the Steelers are a very good team, but I don't know if they were quite as good as undefeated record. And I, and I think it's, it's fair. I mean, it would be Jacksonville and Cincinnati, and those teams. It's not like they were running through the cream of the crop of the NFC or AFC at, at most of the time. Yeah, I mean, maybe they didn't get some of those good NFC teams in there, that's for sure. But for me, I, I sure know. you look you look at the AFC and who else could they have played? Like, I, I agree. If Kansas City plays at Pittsburgh, Kansas City can win. They'll be favored to win. That's mm-hmm. the only team in the AFC that will be favored to beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. It's just a fact. Now, Cleveland could beat them. Mm-hmm. Tennessee could beat them. I don't think Indianapolis can, but I'll throw Indianapolis potentially could beat them. That's you it. Know, I don't think That's likely, the AFC. AFC is weak. It's just there's not a lot of good teams in the AFC, and that's and I think the Steelers are at the top. They're not ahead of Kansas City, but I, I think that they're right there with everybody I else. I think Cleveland and, and might give them a run for their money because Cleveland can do the one thing that's of really frustrating Cleveland to that team. Great. They can run the football. They great. They can run the football and they play some defense too. I mean, healthy Miles Garrett is a very different team, and a healthy Nick Chubb is a very different team than the team that they faced when they faced him a few weeks ago. So I think there's a big difference there for this. And I again, maybe that's it's crazy. We're talking about the measuring stick being Cleveland of how good that North is, but maybe, maybe at this point, you look at the team, they're playing fast and loose, and that's very dangerous. Yeah, but but again, if Cleveland's losing in a game, they're not going to win. And you can mark that down. They get to a point where they're down 14. I don't I don't trust them in that spot. Now, the New England Patriots have played really well over the last couple of months. And the one thing that you could say about them for sure is that uh, last minute outside of this past week, the last minute of the game, you didn't know if they were going to win or lose. So that makes them a a weird team in the NFL. And that kind of sums up their season. Uh, the Patriots are alive and well in the playoff hunt. I'll start off with this. Um, it's not a hot take at all. I mean, you think about the games that New England has lost. Who'd they lose to? Houston, because they didn't drive down the field and win in the end. Ugh. Buffalo, because Cam Newton fumbled in the 10. They could have won every one of those games. Could have lost every one of those games. So they're a 500 team, and 500 gets you in the playoffs with an extra playoff team. 
So of course they're alive and well in the playoff hunt. They could easily be eight and eight or nine and seven. And um, will they win a will they win a playoff game? I wouldn't rule that out either. I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl. So uh, yeah, I mean you, you talk about teams in the league where you turn on the fourth quarter and the game is tied. They're up three. They're down three. That's who they are. Mm-hmm. Play good defense. They don't wow you on yeah. offense, and that's good enough. I'm going to say they're alive, but I don't know if they're well. I mean, I don't know. In this era in the NFL, I just find it hard to believe that you can play the way you're playing right now if you're the Patriots on offense and get to the playoffs even. I I just – it's really difficult. And, and yes, you're absolutely right. And it would be very different if we were sitting there and they won those two games, especially against Buffalo, because now you'd have a win against Buffalo and you have a rematch coming against Buffalo, and you'd have – you'd be an eight-win team right now. I mean, that is – there's a big difference between six and six. And eight and four, <laughs> and I think we'd be very differently speaking about them. But the yeah, fact but, is, but do you think that the two teams that are eight and four in the Raiders and Miami are vastly different from New England? I don't think so. Uh, vastly different, no. But I, I think maybe you know, I think I think the Raiders are a little bit more. Uh, offensively interesting. You know, I think they can score more points at the end of the day. I mean, that's a fascinating matchup, and we might get that matchup. And and to answer your question, too, about where Cam Newton is, he is quarterback mm-hmm. number 17 right now in fantasy scoring. Okay, so okay, 17 so overall. Not a QB1. So it's, it's worse than you thought, but it's kind of, you know, it's funny in the black book, going into the year, this is where he was actually ranked. He was actually ranked right here in terms of relative position value. And here's a, a fascinating fact. Now, the quarterback next to him, who's 18th, has played one less game than him. But Cam Newton has 2,000 yards. He has five passing touchdowns, 11 rushing touchdowns, 204 points. Quarterback B has 203 points. He has 15 passing touchdowns, just three rushing touchdowns, but 1,948 yards. And quarterback B is Lamar Jackson. Just let that settle in a little bit of how disappointing the season has been for the – and I understand – he plays tonight. I understand he can make some fantasy points tonight and go above him and probably get closer, you know, back into that QB one conversation with a great game. Right. But who would have thought Cam Newton would be here that close to Lamar Jackson at this stage in the season? I didn't think anybody would think that. Certainly not me. Yeah, no, he's had a down year for sure. And he just hasn't really had that huge game that can help you. Maybe this will be the week. Okay, let's move on to Taysom Hill, the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I, I have not seen whether or not he's going to play this week. I, I'm not even sure. I guess Dr. Chad will weigh in on that coming up on tomorrow's show. But Taysom Hill, top 10 fantasy quarterback in 2021. Clearly, this is predicated on Drew Brees retiring or else this is just a non-story. But let's let's use that as part of this, that Drew Brees is retired. Taysom Hill is a top 10 quarterback in fantasy next year. Now, he... I think this is a hot take, and a lot of people are getting caught up in the fact that the last three weeks, he is quarterback six overall. But Mm -hmm. over that period of time, let's also factor in that Kyler Murray's had some of his worst games. Russell Wilson's had some of his worst games. And those are two guys right there that you would already bump up ahead of him. So let's knock him down from six to eight already. And now we're going to add in a couple other guys, too, that, you know, had a bye week in there. And some of the, you know, to me, this this is kind of, as you like to say, prisoner of the moment of what's going on here. And I think Taysom Hill might be in that. Maybe if he is the starter somewhere on that low end QB one, high end QB two, I think in a super flex league is my second quarterback. I love it because he has the ball in his hands and it reminds me a little bit of what he's doing now reminds me a lot of what Josh Allen was. If you recall in his rookie yeah, season, the I second agree. half is a very similar stat line, very similar in terms of how the offense is running. And we've seen Josh Allen make significant improvements over the last two years in the pocket. 
and he's got weapons like Diggs, and he's been able to really make that improvement. Now, Taysom Hill's a lot older, right? Taysom Hill is closer to 30, I believe, if memory serves. So I don't know if that kind of progression is still in there for him. But I think it's I think it's a hot take to say that he could be a top 10 QB. The QB position is so good right now. I don't think you could just look after this trend of the last three weeks and really think, oh, my God, this guy's top 10 next year. I don't know. I think a bounce back from Lamar is probably likely, as you were alluding to. I, I think you're looking at this elite level guys there being so good. Watson's still in that grouping. So for me, it's probably a no. In fact, you might see a guy like Joe Burrow go past him or, you know, Herbert's already passed him and all those guys potentially. And who knows? We've seen Herbert come in and be this good this year. What could Trevor Lawrence be next year? <laughs> you know, Trevor Lawrence, I think, has a better chance to be a QB one next year than Taysom Hill. But again, we're putting the cart before the horse. I want to slow this horse down a little bit. Yeah, I think everything that you're saying is fair. I don't think it would be shocking to see this happen just because of, again, him running the ball. But I, I, you know, I'm not really sure because the matchups also. He just like had to plow through Denver. They didn't even stand a chance. Atlanta's not a great team. Um, I'd love to see him have a really good matchup, like a good head-to-head matchup against one of the better teams in the NFL to make a better call on that. But for now, I'll probably agree. Seems a little hot, but after you don't get the top guy, and then it's like you're deciding between Hill next season or Ben Roethlisberger, even with the season that Roethlisberger's had, you're probably going to take Taysom Hill and take a shot. Probably I mean, right. I, I don't disagree. Do in a single quarterback league, yes. In Superflex, this is a guy to covet because if you can get him as your second, if you can get an elite quarterback and then double dip and get this guy as your two and maybe reach a little bit, man, that's right. a really good start to a Superflex team next year. Okay, let's uh, close it out with Justin Jefferson, who – all of a sudden, looks like statistically he is up there with all of the other guys in the league. And, of course, Burrow went out. Uh, Herbert had a bad week last week. So Justin Jefferson should be the NFL Rookie of the Year, Joe. I think Herbert's had two down weeks. And I'm going to make an argument here for Justin Jefferson because the Vikings are still fighting. The Vikings are still competitive in games. The Chargers are not. The Chargers are one of the, the worst teams in football right now. They just got shut out in a game by the Patriots in their own building. And, you know, it's funny because when when Burrow went down and Tua got hurt, right, all of a sudden those odds went crazy on FanDuel for for Herbert and Justin Jefferson was was like a distant, distant guy, (laughs) I think second or third. And now all of a sudden, after these last two weeks of Justin Jefferson having monster games, one without Thielen there and one with Thielen there, and you see Kirk Cousins, what, three straight games with 300 yards, four straight games of him having huge fantasy days. A lot of this is tied to Justin Jefferson, how well he's played. And I think here, if this guy finishes strong, this is not a hot take. I think we actually start to pound the pavement a little bit for this guy of how good he's been. And maybe just maybe if the Vikings somehow backdoor their way into playoffs, how do people not say that although Dalvin Cook is brilliant and he is not the quarterback, Justin Jefferson, that Justin Jefferson is a huge reason why the Vikings have really bounced back in this second half since that came off that bye and they played Green Bay. Justin Jefferson's been brilliant. He's been great. Don't think he's the rookie of the year right now. I still think it's Herbert, but we still have some games to go and, and not impossible. Mm-hmm. Stranger things happen in the NFL for sure. All right, coming up next, time for a little fantasy trivia. We'll talk about the tight end position in fantasy, so make sure you stay tuned to that. Also coming up a little bit later, we do a little fantasy or reality around the Chicago White Sox. Make sure you stay on the grid. Don't go away.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Joe and I wrapping up this first hour of our show. We got another hour to go. So those of you who are watching on demand on YouTube, create a playlist. You can just watch our shows all the way through, if you like. Let's turn it over to Joe. We're going to end this hour with a little fantasy trivia. I've been hot lately, so hopefully I'll keep it going today. Well, here we go. We've been giving some love to some of the great fantasy performances of all time. We've hit every position except for one. Even did kicker last week with Erickson. But now we're going to do tight end here with Craig Mish. So here we go. Let's do it. Who has had the greatest single fantasy tight end day in the history of fantasy football? Is it A, Shannon Sharp? Certainly a good one. Is it B, Kellen Winslow? Is it C, Rob Gronkowski? Three of the best to ever do it. So, Craig Mish, what's your guess? This is not Kellen Winslow Jr., I assume, by the way. It is not Kellen Winslow Jr. Okay. It is just Kellen Winslow Sr. Just to be, just to um, be. yeah. First of all, <laughs> yeah. First of all, uh, I I actually was playing fantasy in the '80s, but I do not think it was Kellen Winslow. Although he had one of the best games ever, I'm gonna say no. Uh, I think it's Shannon Sharp. I I like seem to remember just some crazy game with him, and I don't even know if it was with Denver. It may have been with Baltimore. I don't recall. But I'm going to say A, Shannon Sharp. I feel like he had the best game ever. Well, Shannon Sharp certainly one of the best talkers, but not the best fantasy day ever. No. And uh, okay. it actually is Kellen Winslow. Uh, it is Winslow, it that game against the Raiders? 11-22-1981, 13 Miami. catches, 144, five touchdowns. Yeah, mm. that's a pretty good game. That's when they five, carried him off the field, right? Yeah, yeah five touchdowns. And, I, and I'll tell you what, you know, we talk about – uh, the tight end position, you know, and talk about a guy who was doing it where nobody else was. Kellen Windsor was in a different planet. Some of the other names on this list, by the way, and Gronk and Sharp were in the top five ever. Uh, Christian mm-hmm. Todd Christensen, remember him from the Raiders? He was actually of the Raiders, yeah. Uh, another good. Mm-hmm. And here's another fun fact um, not only does Kellen Winslow have the number one fantasy day ever for a tight end, he's also got the number four fantasy tight end Ooh. day ever. Uh, with the, yeah, I mean, that is 44.4 points. Uh, in the uh, fourth most, uh, that is incredible. He almost hit 50 in this other game with the five touchdowns. But boy, we could use a couple more Kellen Winslow in today's NFL. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah, not used nearly as much. Our headlines are next. Stay on the grid. Don't go away. 